Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. And this is Betty's nephew, Sam. Hey, Betty. Hey, Sam. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Usually in this part of the show, you introduce our panelist for the episode. But we're not doing panelists this week. We're doing a different kind of show. Really? What's it going to be? It is going to be about how to survive life in the age of the Rona. That's what I'm calling it, the Rona, coronavirus. Okay. <laughs> Got to give it a nickname, <laughs> no? <laughs> With everything, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So there's no panel this week, Betty. It's just going to be some really smart, fun, awesome people giving us some advice on how to survive all of this social distancing. We're going to hear from two chefs with tips on food prep and cooking. A comic will talk to us about how to keep laughing in the midst of uh, self-isolation. And a mental health expert will talk us through how to maintain our sanity uh, in the midst of some of us having to work from home while also homeschooling their kids. Ugh, it sounds crazy. Yes, it does. I feel for them. Mm-hmm. Speaking of tips for our listeners and help for our listeners to survive all of this craziness right now, I do want to ask your permission to share at some point online, if I can, your pound cake recipe, because your pound cake always brings me joy. Oh, absolutely. I feel free to share it any time. I hope whoever bakes it enjoys it. Yes, yes, yes. What I love about your pound cake is that like, it's, it's got butter in there, and you can taste oh, it. Yes, mostly what it has in it is butter. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Okay, Betty, uh, you can still say, let's start the show. All right, let's start the show. I like it. I can't do it like you. Let's start the show. You have a nice little <laughs> ring to it. Do it again. <laughs> All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all, from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. And if you go to my Twitter feed right now, at Sam Sanders, Aunt Betty's legendary pound cake recipe is right there waiting for you. All right, as we said, today on the show, a social distancing survival guide. Let's get to it. To begin, we're going to start with superstar chef Samin Nosrat. You might know her from her book and her TV show. Both of them are called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. She was also on this show a while back. And I called up Samin this week to ask her not just how to think about food in this weird time, but how to help out those in the food industry. Oh, can you hear me? It's so good to hear your voice. I tell oh, you what. What are you doing? I've been thinking about you a lot these last few days and weeks because I'm oh. like, if anyone can bring joy to our listeners <laughs> in the world right now, it's you. Um, where you are, y'all are like straight up on lockdown right now. We are completely off. <laughs> and this is a really like low burden kind of way for me to be with people and help people. I garden a lot and the garden's about 20 feet from the sidewalk so if people are walking by then they you know we can chat but we're not together we're sort of alone together in the nicest possible way it's when I start thinking about you know the world beyond sort of my front fence Mm -hmm. my front that that I really get um overwhelmed and upset and so many of my friends and former colleagues are really really in dire straits right now the restaurant industry has never seen anything like this and that's not even me being like my typical you know hyperbolic self are there some quick and dirty tips that you can give us as someone who is you know a bright and shining star of food 
as to how to help the foodies we love in this moment, the food creators? I think trying to support your local farmers and finding people who are doing CSA boxes and farm boxes and farm shares is a great way to help. And um, ordering takeout, if that's a possibility for you, is a way to help. And certainly I've seen other efforts like people buying um, uh, like things like merchandise, like sweatshirts and stuff like that from, from mm, restaurants. Yeah, merch is a good thing. Totally. And gift cards, which you could, in theory, um, you know, you could. it's sort of giving a restaurant a loan because they're getting cash now and then you get to cash it in later. The other people in the food world who I know are really feeling it are um, authors, are cookbook authors. Oh. And right now is the beginning of the spring book release season. I know a lot of people who have been working on cookbooks that are coming out or or just came out and, you know, have been buried under this news. I think another thing that, like, needs to be said over and over and over again is when you can tip, you know, a lot of large cities are still going to be able to handle food delivery. If you're getting food delivered to you right now, you might want to consider tipping more than you've ever tipped before. Yeah, I think for both the people who put themselves at risk to deliver your food and, you know, that will not go unnoticed or unappreciated. A lot of folks hearing us now, including yourself talking to me now, are going to be having to make food in isolation, Yeah, which is going to be a thing that's going to be hard for some folks. How do you get through that? I, When I take a step back and I try to think about how we will look back on this time and what it was that got us through it, I think that the answer will be our communities. It's going to be the people who live on the same street as you. For me, food is very much a way to take care of other people. And so sometimes that might just mean making a huge pot of soup and putting a bunch of jars on neighbors' doorsteps or putting them on your own doorstep for other people to come grab, you know, and sending out a message. I've been doing a lot of that. I've mm-hmm. been cooking a lot of food and just sort of like inviting people to come get it without without having an interaction with them. The other thing I've been thinking is, I'm like, oh, yeah, I bet you the millennials, ye millennials, (laughs) (laughs) will um, come up with new and more creative ways to cook and eat together than I could have ever imagined. You know, people are going to do things like decide to all cook the same recipe and have a, you know, a Zoom conference dinner party. (laughs) Oh, my God. That sounds like my worst nightmare because I would be worried about screwing something up and being judged by like dozens of people as they make the same recipe better than me you don't have to show them what you made just like <laughs> not a competition sam sure yeah. just make like a you know or I don't know no i don't know i mean i don't know honestly like i have old brain i'm 40 years old by like millennial standards I'm, like, basically decrepit, my no, brain. No, no, you're right, though. I mean, like, I'm teasing, but I could totally see a fun Skype, Zoom hangout where everyone, like, makes the same bread recipe together and you catch up with their friends while kneading that bread. Totally. Come on back to L.A. at some point once it's all said and done and we can make some more food together. I will. I would love that. Or you come visit me. We can cook out of my garden. Done. I'm there. Okay. Love it. <laughs> Thank you, friend. Take care. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. This episode is a very special social distancing survival guide. Food is a big part of our survival right now. I love food so much, I was determined to talk with not just one, but two chefs this episode. So next up, 
Tucker Shaw. He's an editor at America's Test Kitchen, the hit show on PBS. And Tucker told me this moment we're in food-wise, it reminds him of how things were for his grandparents decades ago when they had to constantly deal with food scarcity. Their approach to food was one that really necessitated them to get as much as they could out of every single thing. And honestly, a lot of those practices lead to food that actually tastes better and that you feel better about. For instance, taking stale bread and turning that bread into a few things. You can actually really do something with it, like bread pudding or French toast, or, you know, you can take it to another place. And it doesn't have to feel like a letdown. It can actually feel like something that's special on its own merits. Yeah. Bread pudding is never a letdown, let me tell you. So good. (laughs) So in that spirit, in this moment of perceived food scarcity, when those of us who are able walk into a grocery store right now, what is the one thing we should really make sure ends up in our basket before we leave? Look for things, I say, that kind of do a lot in a little bit of space. For example, chipotles in adobo. Basically, chipotles are, you know, dried jalapenos. So it's like one ingredient that adds a whole range of flavors to whatever you're making. So you can make enchiladas with, you know, leftover chicken, for example. (laughs) Similar to that, something like garam masala or ras al hanout, which are spice blends from India or Morocco. These have like 20 spices in the blend or, you know, they can get really exciting. So you're, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. Are there certain foods that maybe can last longer than we thought they could, and now we should try to do that with those things? There are a whole bunch of cheeses that you could freeze. Wait, uh, sorry, hold on. You can you can freeze cheese? No, I swear. I promise. Not mm-hmm. every single one. Okay. But you can freeze Parmesan. You can freeze Pecorino, those hard cheeses. You can freeze Brie, which really surprised me so much but yeah we did some testing with it and you have to wrap it super tight Mm. like you it has to be like really tight in foil is the best and then you put that into a freezer bag and put in your freezer and you can keep it in there for six weeks when you decide to to thaw it do it in the fridge let it thaw down you know come back to temperature kind of slowly and that'll sort of help the structure stay intact or whatever. Don't do it with shredded cheese. That won't really work. <laughs> you can do it with those things. You know, I was just yeah. about to put some shredded cheese in my freezer tonight. I'm glad you <laughs> told me not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is like um, citrus, especially lemons and oranges. Hmm. Before you get into that piece of fruit, you should take off the zest because it has um, an extraordinary amount of flavor. In fact, you can wrap that really tight and put it in the freezer. So you can use that lemon for the juice that you need right now for your sauce or whatever it is. And then later you go into the freezer and after you've done this a few times, you have plenty of lemon zest to make lemon cookies or a pound cake or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There are going to be folks that hear you, Tucker, and mm. become inspired to try something, to cook, to figure it out. And a good amount of those listeners are going to disappoint themselves. Words of encouragement (laughs) for those of us who might not get it right the first time we try to cook right now. Yep. If something doesn't turn out perfectly, you can give yourself a little bit of a break to slow down, be careful, and treat this cooking process as an opportunity to learn, not just an opportunity to eat. Yeah. 
And if something really goes south, hopefully it's not completely inedible. <laughs> um, but if it's like close to edible, I don't know. Eat it. Hot sauce covers up a lot, a lot of blemishes. <laughs> yes, sriracha covers a multitude of sins. There you go. <laughs> Tucker Shot, thank you so much for talking food with us in a really weird time. Thank you very much, Sam. Thanks again to Tucker Shaw, editor at America's Test Kitchen. So for this episode, our survival guide for social distancing, we didn't just ask experts on how to get through this strange moment. We also asked you, our listeners, and a lot of y'all called in and told us how you're surviving and what's bringing you joy right now. Hi, this is Jill, and I'm running on a trail a few miles outside Pueblo, Colorado, running with my dog Achilles. Come on Achilles. Good boy. He's a big Weimariner. Running is my coping all the time, but especially now it almost feels like you can feel just a little bit of hope. You know, the sky's really blue. There's no clouds. Come on Achilles. Hi Sam. It's Courtney from Baltimore. And it's giving me a lot of joy to introduce my three-year-old and four-year-old to Space Jam. It's crazy, it makes no sense, and it's just the distraction that we all need. Hey Sam, this is Andy in Anchorage, Alaska. I went into labor on March 9th, and when I came home from the hospital, there was a pandemic. But luckily, the time distortion of sleepless nights and learning to be a new mom has kept me so preoccupied and so happy during this time. Anyway, love the show. Bye. Thanks so much to those listeners who called in. It's time for a break now. Coming up, more of our very special social distancing survival guide episode. We're going to talk with comedian Eliza Schlesinger on how she's getting through self-quarantine with humor. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back. This message comes from NPR sponsor Chobani Oat, made to taste just like milk. It's creamy, frothy, and great with coffee and cookies, but without the dairy, because it's not milk. It's almost milk. New Chobani Oat. All that data collection. They have the last 10 years of your movements. It can have real-life consequences. And if you have that much information, that information is going to be misused. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and who decides what's right or wrong in our digital world? That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Subscribe or listen now. Hey, y'all. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders, and this week, a very special episode. We're calling it our Social Distancing Survival Guide. Tips on dealing with being cooped up at home a lot for the next few weeks. Hi. Hello, Eliza. My dog's working. Sorry, it was... Help me. That is Eliza Schlesinger. You might have heard her on this show before. She's a comedian in Los Angeles. And for the past few days, Eliza has been self-quarantining with her husband and her dog. I called her up to check in and chat. Anyways, first question, how are you holding up? Uh, I am doing okay. You know, this is 
I think you can look at this as either a transformative time or you can just panic. Um, I never get the chance to sort of slow down. So this has been a real test to like see, because you always promise yourself when you have time, all the things that you'll do. So I've been digging (laughs) into those things. Yeah. What thing from that long list of stuff to do when you have time have you finished in the last week or so that's given you the most satisfaction? Oh, gosh. Um, Let's see here. I cleaned out. I got rid of a bunch of bras. I had too many bras. I meditated, which is always something I promise I'll do. And I started working on a, an outline that is due. Okay. Making the best of the Rona. Yes, the Rona. <laughs> it's funny. I've been thinking all this week about stuff to watch while you're stuck at home. And I just watched you uh, in a new Netflix movie, Spencer Confidential. And I got to say, snaps to you. You are a Texan woman who pulled off a pretty impressive Boston accent. Now, are you from Boston saying that or are you just a regular other person? I'm saying that as the Texan who lived up there for one or two okay. years. It was it was passable. You should pat yourself on the back for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm happy that I could be part of something that takes their minds off of it. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but if you wanted to give our listeners a taste of your Spencer Confidential Boston accent, I would allow you to do so right now for a sec if you wanted. Oh, it's so hard to improvise in another person's accent, but I would tell you, go watch Spencer Confidential. It's on Netflix. Hopefully you have an account. I don't know what the f*** you're doing if you don't. And... uh, Watch Sissy uh, have uh, sex on a sink. Spoiler alert. (laughs) So bad. bad. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. Fine. You know, I have watched all of your comedy specials on Netflix. What is it? Six? Five? Six? How many? Five. Five. Watched them all. And a constant theme in all of them has been love and relationships and courtships and most recently marriage. Um, you are currently not just socially distancing with your husband. You are also doing a TV show, basically, with him as well from home. Um, yeah. This is a, a live cooking feed you've started with your husband. It posts to Facebook and to Instagram. Don't panic, pantry. Yeah. Um, have there been any comedic insights you've gained about marriage in the time of corona? Um. We're kind of, I mean, you know, hopefully you married your best friend. I was actually saying the other day, it's interesting. You can hang out with your best friend for a couple of days and get annoyed. And it's different with a husband because like, <laughs> you're just constantly annoyed, but you still want to hang out with them. Also, a thing that's always helpful to remember is that, like, you can isolate yourself from time to time, even if you're social distancing with a partner or loved one. You can say to them, I'm going to be over on this side of the apartment for an hour Don't look at me, please. Phones are an incredible thing. (laughs) Yes. Headphones and the simple act of turning one's back. (laughs) Uh, What has been, for you, the funniest moment of your coronavirus experience? Something that happened while shopping or distancing or whatever? Well, I don't know if it's funny, but I was... We went to the grocery store, and I... You know, I'm a big advocate for plastic-free stuff and sustainability, and I think... I was looking at all the shelves that were empty and then seeing the products that hadn't been taken. Like this is panic mode. People are bulk buying things. And if your product is still on the shelf, that means <laughs> nobody wants it. Nobody wants your plastic chicken of the sea bacon infused tuna pod. All right. So quit wrapping tuna in plastic and quit infusing it with basil. It's fine. We need more fish in the ocean. Quit infusing them with weird herbs. So I was just joking yesterday, like, here, it feels like the world's ending, and I'm just talking 
in a grocery store. <laughs> That's what I do best. Oh, yeah. Last question for you. What song are you washing your hands to right now? Ooh, uh, Cardi B's Coronavirus. <laughs> yes. It is a jam. It's a bop. Yes. If anyone could lead us through this dark national moment, I think it's Cardi B. Coronavirus. <laughs> Eliza, thank you so much. Listeners, find all of her stuff on Netflix right now. I appreciate you. Thanks, Sam. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank Bye. you so much. Thanks again to comedian Eliza Schlesinger. Listeners, for this episode, we also asked for your help. We asked you to share tips on how you're surviving social distancing and what's bringing you joy right now. Hey, Sam Sanders. This is Liv Hatcher in Macon, Georgia. And the sounds you hear are Candy, Sandy, Peppa, Beyonce, pecking and eating seeds. Right now, this is my happy place because everything else seems kind of out of whack. Hi, Sam. It's Declan from Chicago. And what is getting me through this quarantine is I made a pot still and I'm distilling moonshine. And I'm just uh, making some hooch to pass the hours away. Hi, Sam. Um, In addition to dancing with my dog and with my husband, I have started to do the thing that always makes me feel better, which is make sense of things through words. So my friends and I are coming up with a coronavirus glossary of terms. We have corona knows. Those are people who um, deny its existence. We have <laughs> corona know-it-alls. Those are people who are born ready for this. Introverts with well-stocked pantries. My favorite is apocapants. Those are athleisure wear that's perfect for like a conference call, but then running around the block or Netflixing or whatever you want to do. Um, a corin, uh, not a quarantini, everybody has that. Oh, of course we have Hey Sam, it's Claudine in Seattle. And the thing that's getting me through this horrible nightmare is this song that I just discovered, even though it's 11 years old. I heard it for the first time a few days ago and it's so crazy good. I'm just gonna start playing it. Um, it's a hundred yard dash by Raphael Sadiq and it's just it's like having a brand new crush it's so good all right it's time for a break coming up we're gonna chat with a psychologist at Stanford University He has some advice for us on how to keep calm and carry on in this very strange moment. BRB. The following message comes from our sponsor, Chipotle, whose new queso blanco is made with milk sourced from Wisconsin farmers like Brianna Handel. Brianna and her family bought their farm in 2016 and are working to pay off their debts so they can make the farming life a viable future for their kids. I know so many um, older generation farms that are still so far in debt and then they're just passing it on to the next generation and hoping they're going to get out. Well, they probably have to get into debt themselves, the younger generation, to get started and then they're accumulating their parents' debt. And I don't want that for my kids. So we we really do try hard to get the farm paid down if they do want a farm, but I will completely understand if they do not want a farm because they do see the struggles that go with it. But if they are going to farm, I want the farm to be in a good position financially, that we could be in a position to help them out, actually. 
To learn more about how Chipotle is working to reinvigorate farming, go to chipotle.com slash farmers. This week on NPR's Invisibilia, a woman with a strange superpower. I have this ability, but it's not something I can just use, because that's not fear, that's intruding into other people's privacy. What do you do when you can see part of the future? We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders, and today we're giving you a very special episode. I'm calling it our Social Distancing Survival Guide. Tips and pointers uh, and conversation about how to get through being cooped up for what could be a long time. Hello. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Good. How are you, Jamil? You know, I'm hanging in there just like uh, the rest of us, I think. Yeah. You know, it's weird. It's like I'll have moments where I'm just like, I got this. Everything's fine. I'm going to do yoga in the apartment and cook all the pasta. And then an hour later, I'm like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? (laughs) It is an unstable psychological time. Yes. That is Jamil Zaki. He's a psychologist at Stanford University. He recently wrote a book called The War for Kindness, which is a thing we could all use a bit more of these days. I called Jamil and asked him how we can all maintain our sanity in this really strange time of social distancing. So where are you right now? I'm in San Francisco in my apartment, um, sort of uh, sheltering in place as my city requires me to do. Yeah. How are you doing in the midst of that? Uh, you know, it's up and down. It's, I think, just like everybody else, I'm uh, experiencing uh, boredom. I'm confused. I'm anxious. And I'm worried about my parents and, um, you know, the more vulnerable people in my life. Um, but also, you know, I'm spending a lot more time with my kids than usual and trying to find the silver lining where I can. Is the whole more time with your kids thing awesome or <laughs> something else? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's both, definitely both, right? I mean, so I think that, uh, look, having two preschoolers uh, sort of under a soft form of house arrest is not what any of us would sign up for, probably. And I think it can be, you know, there's lots of tantrums and all that, and it's hard to sort of suddenly um, create a homeschool situation. But what we've been trying to do is just be easy on ourselves and on each other. Yeah, yeah. You told our producers earlier in the week that we are actually in danger in this moment of facing two epidemics, the coronavirus itself, which will be and already has been deadly, but also a mental health epidemic. Explain that. So, I mean, people just have a deep-seated, fundamental need to connect with one another. We need to seek each other out to get help, and we have a strong desire to help others as well. And those same needs for social connection become more intense when times are tough. And also, after disasters and catastrophes, people like pour out of their homes to help each other. And so a really tough thing about an outbreak like this is that at the moment that we need to be together most, we're being asked to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so if we allow that to turn into chronic, severe loneliness, there could be long-term health outcomes, both in terms of mental health and physical health, that just stem from being so lonely Mm. that will last way longer than even the coronavirus. Mm. So then knowing that... As an expert on this kind of stuff, give our listeners tips to counter that pending loneliness in this moment. 
Well, I think that the same technologies that we often blame for like tearing apart our social fabric are now our friends. So, you know, I think that we definitely want to use technology as much as possible to stay connected with one another. My thing around using things like FaceTime is lower your expectations, right? I mean, so if you're typically having a phone call with a friend, once you run out of things to say, you hang up. <laughs> but, in, <laughs> but in this moment, maybe don't do that, right? I mean, if you're hanging out with somebody in person, you might watch TV together and not say anything except for a snarky comment every five minutes, right? So you're promoting, and, in a way, awkward silence. <laughs> Let's bring back awkward yeah. silence. All right, what else? Give me some other tips. Uh, a second thing, you know, I think is to remember that it's not just about checking in to see how people are feeling, which of course we should do. It's about saying, hey, you know, let's read this book together and let's talk every two days about a chapter, right? I mean, there are all sorts of ways to feel together. I, I don't know if you've seen the videos of people in Italy singing from their balconies I together. Have. But it's I mean, it's kind of beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful. And it, it just reminds me that, again, the difficult parts of this moment can turn into the most touching and most beautiful ones if we respond in the right way. Yeah. What would be the song you sang from your balcony if uh, it got to that in San Francisco? Uh, probably Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's one that my kids love. And, you know, it, I think it's, uh, I don't, I'm not sure that every little thing is going to be all right. Um, but I think that but we're we're in this together and we'll get through it together. Yeah. I would probably sing Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You because it's impossible <laughs> to not smile when you hear that song, even if someone <laughs> as bad of a singer as me sings it. <laughs> Incredible. Do you have the range for that? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, ha have you found ways to connect with people, um, sort of like new ways to connect with them during this moment? You know, I don't. I post to Instagram pretty frequently, but I never really communicate through the Instagram messenger function. I've been messaging a bunch of my friends on Instagram, checking on them. And also, I've just been sending texts to, like, a lot of folks where I just say, how you holding up? And then we begin yeah. a conversation. Have you connected with anyone who you, like, hadn't talked with in a long time? Have there been, like, surprising new connections that Listen, you've made through this moment? I was just telling my colleague, Anjali, all of the exes and old flames are jumping out of the woodwork, <laughs> texting, being like, hey, how have you been? Don't, not now. Not now. <laughs> like, Incredible. what are you expecting this moment from me? I can't see anybody. <laughs> But it's really happened a lot. Like, seriously, the last 72 hours has been like, like, whoa, what is happening here? It's amazing, man. I mean, but it's true, right? I mean, these moments of great communal distress are distressing, but they're also communal, right? Yes. And it, I mean, that's the thing is, I hate the term social distancing. I wish that they had never used it. It's so misleading. Mm. Right? I mean, it's because it makes us feel as though our job right now is to be lonely. Mm. It's not. Our job is to be physically distant, but that doesn't mean being socially isolated. In fact, I think that we should start a new term called distant socializing, mm. right? where we just focus on, hey, part of our job is to make sure that we're putting in a good amount of time every day to just connect with other people. I like that. Tell me that phrase once more. Distant socializing. And I won't take full credit for it. I've seen a couple of people uh, mention it, but I think we should all be using it. Distant I like socializing. Distant. I have really enjoyed distantly socializing with you these last few minutes. I'm telling you, my blood pressure has dropped considerably. 
<laughs> I'm so glad. It's been a lot of fun for me, too. Yeah. Thank you for the work that you do and for helping our listeners out in this crazy time. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for bringing them this positive message. Of course. Take care. Take care. Thanks again to Jamil Zaki. He's a psychologist at Stanford. His book is called The War for Kindness, Building Empathy in a Fractured World. So we've heard from listeners all this episode sharing advice and pointers for surviving social distancing and what's bringing them joy right now. Well, we're going to end the show with more listeners. Every week on this show, we ask our listeners to share with us the best things that have happened to them all week. We are not going to let coronavirus stop us from doing that. So we're going to share now our listeners' best things. We encourage folks to brag. They do. Let's listen. Hey, Sam. This is Jeff calling from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the best part of my week was celebrating my 32nd birthday, which is also St. Patrick's Day. While restaurants and other establishments have been given limited restrictions here, I was still able to have my friend come over to my apartment, help me deep clean and sanitize things, and then we played some Nintendo 64 Mario Kart and ate a lot of pizza. Hi Sam, it's Abby from Des Moines, Iowa. One of the best things about this week while everything else has been shutting down has been getting to spend some FaceTime time with my sister and nieces. We've been reading picture books, and our favorite right now is called Llama Destroys the World, which doesn't isn't as bad as it sounds. Things turn out fine in the end. But the best thing about this book is that you can use your movie Doom announcer voice, so it's like, Llama Destroys the World. Hi, Sam. This is Alex from Philadelphia. The best part of my week was watching the videotaping of a production of Shakespeare in Love that I composed music for that was filming the show because we had to close early because of the coronavirus. And it was incredibly moving to watch a company full of theater artists tell a story about a show that got shut down but was going to perform one last time anyway. It was a real gift to listen to my music and to watch the amazing artists do the show one last time. I'm sending along some recordings of my music because it's not going to get hurt anymore and I would really like to share it with you. I uh, hope everyone is healthy and safe and that you have a better week next week than you did this week. Thanks. Bye. Hi Sam, this is Maria from Spain, from Madrid, uh, one of the hardest uh, cities in Europe now, hit by coronavirus, and we are in complete lockdown. Uh, it's been really tough week, but the best part of my week is now, uh, around eight o'clock, when we open the windows of our lockdown houses and we clap for the health workers who are trying to help us. People are clapping, singing, sometimes it's the national anthem in the street. And many people just thanking public health workers. I love your show, Sam. Thank you.
And many thanks to all those listeners you just heard. Maria, Alex, Abby, and Jeff. Happy birthday, Jeff. Listeners, keep sharing the best parts of your week. Record yourself on your phone and send that voice file to me at samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. This week, It's Been a Minute was produced by Janae West, Anjali Sastry, and Hafsa Fatima. Also, welcome to our newest producer, Andrea Gutierrez. Our fearless editor is Kitty Isley. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. And our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grunman. Quick note before we close, this is Kitty Isley's last week with us for a while. Kitty, it has been such a joy and pleasure to work with you. You're incredible. We'll miss you. Thanks for everything. All right, listeners, till next time, thank you for listening and for staying strong. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon. Okay, first I want you to say, Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. Say it one more time louder. Hi, Sam. Okay, and now I wanted you to say, you're listening to It's Been a Minute. I don't know how to say that. <laughs>